Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Speak Out podcast, a podcast about all things mental health and Jesus. My name is Lauren Wilson. I'm the founder and president of Speak Out PDX, a nonprofit located in Portland, Oregon. September really snuck up on me this year. And as many of you know, September is Suicide Prevention Month. And I've honestly spent all morning grieving for those who feel lonely and potentially are struggling with suicidal ideation this year. Personally, loneliness really slapped me hard several months ago. And I'm finally feeling like I'm mostly out of it. I know the numbers also aren't looking pretty for suicide rates this year and personally know how dark that space can be. If that is you, um, I would just ask you to hang on and to reach out. Please call someone or call the suicide hotline. You are not alone. You matter. Your life is worth living and you are worth fighting for. My heart has been really, really heavy. And if I'm honest, this podcast has been really hard to prepare for. And it's not that I don't believe in the power of these tools, but I'm just deeply, deeply grieving for those we have lost to suicide and have deeply felt the darkness of those who have lived through suicidal attempts and seasons of hopelessness. My hope, however, is that we can have another conversation with a therapist in the near future about suicide during this time. So make sure you follow us so that you won't miss that when that does come out. There is really no good transition into this topic. We are finishing up tools and tips for addressing anxiety during COVID. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back. We talked about several tips and tools in adjusting to a new normal, we talked about soothing techniques for anxiety and then also walked you through a guided visual visualization at the end of the podcast. This week, we'll be just finishing up some, some key tools that I would love to go over with you. This is not an exhaustive list, but just some that I personally have found helpful and know to be helpful for several um, close family and friends. This week, we'll be discussing keeping a routine, taking time for enjoyable activities and learning to play. Uh, we'll discuss social norms and assertive communication and also what it looks like to spend time in nature. The first one is keeping a routine. What does following a routine have to do with your health? Well, it can help to manage stress levels and overall individuals seem to be more productive and focused throughout the day. It can help to establish daily habits and for you to take just better care of yourself. So why is it important to manage our own behaviors through a situation? Well, when we feel more in control of a situation in the midst of chaos, we are less likely to focus on the problem and more likely to focus on a task at hand. So when we learn to focus on things in front of us, things which we have power and control over, then we can feel more in control of a situation, even if there is a lot of things out of control happening around us, like a pandemic. Rachel Goldman says this, when people don't have a routine or structure to their day, it causes increased stress and anxiety, as well as overwhelming feelings, lack of concentration and focus. For some of you, this is going to be really, really easy. You love making lists. It helps you to feel accomplished by checking them off 
And even just pulling out your pens or a special notepad gives you joy. For others of you, you may feel trapped by a list or even trapped by having to create restrictions in what you're doing throughout the day, or even very feeling very daunted by the fact that you have to check off all of these things. But having a routine doesn't mean that you have every minute of every day planned out. It can look a lot of different ways. It can be establishing a morning ritual and a bedtime routine with just a loose list of things in between that you have to accomplish that day. It could look different every day. Monday through Friday could be one thing and then Saturday and Sunday could look like another thing. It could be that your days are already scheduled due to school schedules or work responsibilities. Or maybe you're similar to me where I just like to have four or five things that I need to check off my list and there's no actual routine about it other than how I'm waking up and how I spend my morning. And then the rest I have I have structure, but I also have grace and space for myself if I want to do one thing before the other. Maybe you've never been keen on having a routine, and since the beginning of the pandemic, you've been really feeling a lack of structure. That's definitely been me. I lost my job back in March, and there were weeks and weeks that I just had nothing to do, and there were several weeks that I was not productive at all. Following that were just weeks of me filling up my time with house projects and yard work, days at the river, figuring out how to start a podcast. And I could visibly see a difference in my health, mental health from the earlier weeks where I had zero structure for my day. And then the later weeks with a lot of structure. I actually felt like I had a little bit more power over my days when I had a list of things to do or when I felt like I had accomplished something. Greg McKnown wrote Essentialism. And it says this, I really liked this quote. It says, what if we stopped celebrating being busy as a measurement of importance? And what if instead we celebrated how much time we had spent listening, pondering, meditating, and enjoying time with the most important people in our lives. See, creating a routine takes time and practice. This is not the time to put extra pressure or expectations on yourself while creating a routine. Allow space and grace for yourself to figure out just the best structure of your routine. And in the midst of feeling like our world is already upside down and all of the old norms are forgotten, take a deep breath allow space, create a new routine. And this can take a lot of time. In fact, there have been several routines I've created throughout these past six months as life has changed. I've gone from not working to working one day a week to starting a podcast to working full time and now also figuring out how to incorporate two jobs into my schedule. And a lot has changed. Priorities have shifted. My health has had to stay as the focus, my eating choices, who I hang out with, how much I exercise, prioritizing my yes and my no. See, boundaries are for your own mental health and it has to ebb and flow as life changes. Gregory McDowell also said this, only once you give yourself permission to stop trying to do it all, to stop saying yes to everyone, Can you make your highest contribution towards the things that really matter? 
I want to challenge you as maybe you are thinking about whether or not you need to create a new routine or not, just to ask yourself these few questions. What are my non-negotiables? What are my responsibilities? How am I going to prioritize my own health through eating, exercise, resting? And what fun activities am I going to not forget about? The second thing I want to talk about is taking time for enjoyable activities. I sat in a therapy session last week and my therapist asked me, what have you done for fun lately? Who's made you laugh? What playing have you done? Are there people that you genuinely enjoy being around? Who are your safe people? And it was good to check in with myself both during those last few minutes of the session and honestly over the last week. And I really think that I've been playing well over quarantine. Although a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've been out of work and my husband's been working long hours, I still am really proud of the way that I've been playing. And I thought more about what it is to play and to not play as I was preparing this podcast. And I realized there's this term called play deprivation. Do you feel like you haven't played since you were a child? Maybe as an adult, you want to feel like you have fun, but you don't even know what that looks like anymore or what that means. So instead, you maybe daydream about the good old days or when you return to your nine to five and forget all about it once again. Maybe you think about playing in the past and that it's not really possible as an adult or a young adult to play anymore because you have worries or responsibilities and bills to pay. And you might be wondering why we're talking about play deprivation during a mental health podcast. Well, the consequences of chronic play deprivation actually include the following. Lack of brain growth, increased risk of depression, increased risk of addictive behavior, malfunctioning in just vital parts of your brain, poor impulse control, poor anger management, poor self-regulation, and fragile and shallow friendships. So there's an art to learning how to relax, but I think there's a completely different art to learning how to play and have fun. Maybe you're tired of tagging along with others as they do their fun activity and you wonder if you'll ever enjoy something as much as they do. Well, I can assure you there are dozens of ways that you can have fun. And in Dr. Stuart Brown's book, Play, he talks about eight play personality types. While we can all relate to all of these, we typically have one or two dominating play personalities that bring joy into our life and make us feel fully alive. These personalities are the joker, the kinesthetic, the explorer, the competitor, the director, the collector, the artist slash creator, and then the storyteller. If you'd like to read more into these personalities, I would encourage you to pick up his book and maybe take a look or just do a simple Google search. And he has several articles on uh, each of these eight play personalities. He explains in this book that the easiest way to identify our deep play is to notice what makes you feel like there's no notion of time. Remembering the activities you loved as a child may also help you to identify these. Most people don't know how to play. They don't know what they truly enjoy. 
And if this resonates with you, I'd encourage you to just start by choosing an activity that sounds enjoyable to you. There is never going to be a perfect time to start playing or finding activities that truly make you feel alive. This can take time. And really the only way to start is to get up and try something. Pick up a paintbrush, go on a walk, try something that scares you, tell a story, try your hand at stand-up comedy, go rock climbing, take a kayak out. Just start with something. I've been spending most of my time kayaking, working out, gardening over the past several months. And sometimes I love it. And other times it's hard for me to relax and take these things lightly. But learning to play can take practice. And now is really the perfect time to start. The next thing I want to talk about is social norms. This statistic was fascinating to me. It only takes 25% of the population to decide to change a social norm collectively and then implement it into society for it to alter the way in which their city operates. This means 25% of people tell all of their friends and family about this new way that they want to live and they start to incorporate it into the way they act in public. Sounds familiar when I'm reflecting back on the pandemic. I was daydreaming of the last summer when we had small house parties and gatherings at church to worship collectively. I didn't think twice about riding in a car with someone or shaking someone's hand. And today we wear masks in public, keep distance between each other. We refrain from hugging and shaking hands, high-fiving or sharing meals. And we haven't gathered in a concert hall, a church building, or sat by a stranger in a movie theater in more than six months. We now think twice about every action we take in public and keep distance between ourselves and those around us. And it can feel really isolating and lonely. We were made to be in community and it's been a hard adjustment for me personally, but that's okay. It's okay to struggle with not being able to hug those around you. It's okay to miss things about the way in which we used to live. It's okay to grieve missed birthday celebrations and going out to a restaurant because one day things will become normal again. And it's just one day at a time, one social action, interaction at a time. So please, I would ask you, be aware of changed social norms. Please stay safe and make sure you're following the CDC's guidelines in social gatherings. This is just a season and it will end eventually. Assertive communication. Why would I bring this up? Well, I think it's especially important to share what assertive communication looks like during a pandemic. We all have our own limits and comfort zones. So learning how to assertively communicate boundaries through a pandemic can really allow space for ourselves. Most of us have never lived through a pandemic. So it's okay to have and to change what you feel comfortable with. And then also learn how to communicate those boundaries. And I hope that learning assertive communication and setting boundaries will help you to feel more comfortable in our day-to-day life. Being assertive is a core communication skill. Assertiveness can help you to express yourself effectively and stand up for your point of view while respecting the rights and views of others. You don't have to agree and you don't have to be rude about it. Some people are naturally a little more assertive, but if you're not one of them, you can learn assertive skills. Being assertive shows you respect yourself 
and express your thoughts and feelings. It is a direct and respectful way of communicating, and it's an effective and diplomatic communication style. Being assertive is not just in what you're saying, but in also the way you say it. It can be shown through body language and saying no, through preparing a conversation beforehand before having it. The Mayo Clinic released an article earlier this year sharing how assertive communication can actually help to reduce stress and communicate better. And they shared some of the benefits of using assertive communication. And I wanted to share these with you. They said this, being assertive is usually viewed as a healthier communication style. Assertiveness offers many benefits. It helps you keep people from taking advantage of you, and it can also help you from acting like a bully to others. Behaving assertively can help you to do the following. One, gain self-confidence and self-esteem. Two, understand and recognize your feelings. Three, it can help to earn respect from others. Four, improve communication. Five, it can create win-win situations. Six, it can help you to make better decision-making skills. Seven, it can create honest relationships. And eight, and it can actually help you to gain more job satisfaction. Learning to be assertive can help you effectively express your feelings when communicating with others about issues. And if you want to read more on this topic, I'll attach the article below that the Mayo Clinic wrote. I think it was really beautifully explained and easy to understand. So go ahead and click that link if you'd like to learn more. So what does it actually look like? Well, it can look like saying no and expressing yourself in positive ways. It can be shown through body language and being open to criticism and compliments. It's not just in the way you say things, but in how you say things. It's using I statements and it's being empathetic towards other people's views and opinions of things. It's being respectful. It's always trying to recognize and to understand how the other person is feeling and when to voice needs and considering what that person is feeling. If you're still unsure of how to better communicate assertively, I would just encourage you to reach out to any of the dozens of articles or books or videos out there that teach on assertive communication and what that look, looks like. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was spending time in nature. One of my favorite tools I've used over the last six months has been spending time outside. And at the beginning of quarantine, I would invite a friend to go with me to a body of water and we would kayak or paddleboard. We'd bring a cooler and snacks and beverages and it would get me outside of the city limits. Some days we would load up into a boat and just sit right off of the dock, not really traveling far at all. And other days we would load up our stuff and we'd take off for miles, just exploring really only where the water could take us. We went through farms, we're engulfed by canopies of trees. Some days we were paddling along just enormous cliffs. And in these moments, I felt like I had a bigger perspective on life. I felt small and like the world around me was enormous. My experience was still validated of feeling what I was feeling, but being next to such massive mountains made me appreciate how small we are in the midst of this world. 
the fresh air was crisp in my lungs and I could feel like I had taken the first deep breath I had taken in a long time. It was crisp, full of life. It refreshed me. The warmth on the sun, the soft breeze of the wind, the birds chirping, the fish swimming below. It was my space of resting, of talking, of sitting quietly, and of thinking. There was a stillness of the water and the lack of city noises, the splashing of our paddles going in and out of the water as we were paddling along. And over the last several months, it just became my sanctuary. When I didn't get to go into nature, I could feel my soul grow heavy and I needed it. I needed adventure. I needed a change of scenery. And it doesn't have to be far either. Just a quick 15-minute drive to spend some time among the trees, the mountains, or the water. Lydia Denworth is the author of Brainwaves. And she says that 120 minutes in nature a week can have huge effects on your mental state. It can reduce your heart rate, decrease blood pressure, decrease stress, cortisol, and improve psychological well-being. And the study she did even showed that you don't have to go to the coast or to the mountains to gain these benefits, but individuals that just chose to sit in a city park or go on a nature walk also benefited from these things. So whether you're going to a body of water this week or you're spending time in your yard or at a local park, do yourself a favor and create time to be outside in nature for at least two hours a week. So to recap on the last two weeks of our podcast, just a refresher of what we talked about. I would just encourage you to practice a few of these tools this week in helping to address and manage your anxiety during the pandemic. Last week, we talked about self-love and self-soothing techniques. We walked through a guided meditation. And then this week, we also talked about keeping a routine, taking time for enjoyable activities and playing, the adjustment in social norms that we've experienced and assertive communication, and as well as spending time in nature. I hope that you found these things helpful. And if you are curious, as to just a more in-depth explanation of any of these, I would just encourage you to do a little bit of research on your own or find a local therapist to walk you deeper through each of these tools and tips. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. We are a brand new podcast and we hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far. It would really help us out if you would consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or consider sharing this with your friends and family. We hope this is a space of healing and of equipping you in your mental health journey. And we really are so thankful for all of you that have joined us in this um, process and have followed us and already written reviews. We could not do this without you. And so we just thank you for being part of the Speak Out family.